What's happening, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Thrive After Sports podcast. This is your boy, yours truly, Taj Deshaun. As always, excited to be here with you guys. And um, if you don't know, I'm re-releasing all of my episodes going back to 2019. Uh, Apple Podcasts has been tripping. They've deleted several of my episodes and um, uh, they don't know where they went. So basically, I'm re-uploading the episodes one by one. But rather than just uploading them and leaving them there, I'm using this as an opportunity to reflect and look back on where I was at the time I recorded this episode and what's changed since then. In certain episodes, I got to do a little bit of commentary ahead of time. This one specifically, this is my, I'm actually being interviewed by Marlene Holmes. She's actually Dr. Holmes now. She got her PhD. So shout out to Dr. Marlene Holmes. But um, her podcast, yep, she said it. Um, I was on her podcast. We talked about athlete transition. We talked about a lot of stuff, you guys. But the reason I wanted to just leave this quick intro is because if you go check out what Marlene is up to these days, she's blowing it out the water. Not only has she gotten her doctorate, um, she's working on her second book. The first book, her and I were actually co-authoring together. That's uh, Athlete to Entrepreneur, uh, myself, Marlene Holmes, 18 other former athletes turned entrepreneurs. But uh, Marley's killing it. And this episode is great. Listen, she was just starting out her podcast, so the audio is not the best. Not that my audio is the best, but give her a break. You know what I'm saying? It's a great episode nonetheless. Um, she was dropping gems, and I think she did a phenomenal job of interviewing me. Her show continues to be great. I don't know how she runs a show while also getting her doctorate and you know writing, co-authoring books and different things like that. But um, yeah, just go check her out. This is like a time capsule right now as I was listening back to this episode that we recorded in 2019. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. This is my interview on the Yup She Said It podcast with Dr. Marlene Holmes. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the show. If you don't mind, if you've ever got any value out of the show, please leave a rating and review before you get out of here. Um, hit that subscribe button. If you don't feel like writing a long review, maybe you can just say great show or at the very least, click the five star button. Oh, one more thing. Athlete Soul Scholarships are still available. Depending on where you're listening to this, um, just know if you're a former athlete and you need help transitioning and you need to figure out who you are, where you want to go and how you're going to do it and get connected with other great athletes who are on the same mission and can help you get there, don't hesitate to reach out. It's 100% free. Schedule some time on my website or just uh, find me on social media. Send me a message. Send me an email. Whatever works for you works for me. All right. I love you guys. Peace. All right, guys, now welcome to our next segment called Who Got Next? And today on the podcast, we have Taj from Thrive After Sports. He is Who Got Next. Welcome, Taj. Hey, Marley. Thanks for having me on. I've been excited to do this for a while. No problem. I know we scheduled some time out, and I'm like, finally, we get to have a conversation. <laughs> right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, know, you have some awesome information in your bio, but tell us why you started Thrive After Sports. I started Thrive After Sports to be the person that I needed in my corner when I was going through that transition that we all go through as athletes. Um, as I started looking back uh, at my experience and started thinking about what I needed, and I know everybody's experience is different, but what I needed was someone to do some one-on-one -on -one work with me and help guide me and bring me through that process. So I decided to become that person. Um, right. And ever since, it's just been, I feel like every day when I wake up, I feel like I'm excited like I was when I play, when I was playing football. You know, I have that same level of excitement about the business. So, yeah, that's what motivated me in a nutshell. That's awesome. And I hear that a lot with entrepreneurs. A few weeks ago, I interviewed, um, his name is Derek Collins, and he's a former collegiate athlete. 
um, and had opportunities to go semi-pro and I asked him the same thing, like, what was his passion? And he said exactly what he said, that I wish I had this opportunity or someone to connect with me um, when I was going through that phase. So I think that's a common foundation that I'm seeing with entrepreneurs. And I think that's excellent. And if I, if I recall correctly, you are also, so you are an athlete transition coach. Is that correct? Exactly. Right. So I look at it as a holistic approach. Um, I don't want to just help somebody get a job just to pay bills. You know, there's a there's a handful of companies out there who work with athletes. I actually had contact with some of these companies or they reached out to me when I first graduated and came back home and was trying to figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. And these companies, not to knock them, I don't want to make it seem like I'm throwing them under the bus. But my experience was they reach out, they tell you, hey, we got these five jobs lined up, these companies that we're partnering with we can help you get a job at one of these companies. Now that's great if you need to pay bills, if you need to get back on your feet, if you're looking to get some experience. My whole thing was I felt like nobody really had taken the time to help me figure out what I wanted to do because mm -hmm. um, I didn't end up going with any of those companies. I, I found my own opportunities, own job opportunities. But my thing was, it's like, okay, yes, I'm out in the working world. I'm earning a paycheck. I guess I'm supposed to be happy, but I'm kind of going crazy sitting in this cubicle. I really don't feel like... <laughs> I feel like I'm meant to be doing something more. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing yet, but, but this ain't it, you know? Right. And um, that's actually what kind of led me to to start thinking about how how am I going to help people? Once I had achieved a certain level of success, um, what actually happened, Marley, just to give you a kind of quick background, mm -hmm. I started out in sales like most athletes do. You know, they tell us either coach or go into sales. <laughs> you're a competitor, right? Nobody talks about what should you be selling or anything uh -huh. like that. But after sales, I got into recruiting, um, and then I got into career services at the Art Institute out here in Hollywood, California. And um, after that, I started working in San Diego with low-income families, helping them find mm -hmm. jobs, helping them find housing. But there was a common theme running through all of my roles, and that, that theme was that I was enjoying helping people. The idea of helping them find guidance around their future was something that was enjoyable for me and i realized that i had a gift at it so that's mm -hmm. ultimately what led. i'm like who better to serve and, and then the light bulb went off like you know i'm gonna start a business around this because i don't think i think there's a need for it and i don't think there's really anybody doing what i'm looking to do because right. i went through it myself so the light bulb went off for me to start helping athletes and serving athletes figure out their next steps you know and help them figure out their next move I think that's awesome because I, I love to hear how people, how that moment happens, right? So you talk about the light bulb, I hear the switch, I hear, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I think so often you do, I mean, I was in that space as well, is that I have been working for nine, 10 years in a job that was extremely stressful, but there was never any other conversation about what else I could do. Um, and there was never conversation while I was still an athlete on what other opportunities I could pursue um, besides coaching or other things. So it was just like, okay, well, we're just gonna do what the academic advisor recommends, which I'm thankful that she did um, because it, it gives me the foundation to connect all the dots now. But so often I think we, we, we're lost, like we don't have the information. Why do you think from your experience that athletes that, we just, that we're not given that information, like no one's sitting us down with that holistic approach to say, hey, these are the skills that you have. I mean, we're getting better at it now, but say, these are the skills that you've acquired as an athlete. What do you think you like doing? What are you wanting to do? Why are you pursuing this major um, to, to better prepare? Why doesn't that happen just naturally? Mm, 
I think, and I agree with what you said that it is getting a lot better now with programs like what you're doing um, with the, you know, the black female college experience and all the people you've had on your show and all the people that you and I are connected with, it is getting better in terms of resources, but I think it comes down to two things. And it's really the first part is of course, like we always hear in conversations like these that we simply just don't really have the time to Mm. explore. You can, I always say you can conceptualize it. You can think about, okay, once I hang up the Jersey, I'm going to do this. And that's, that's one thing. But once you're actually out and experiencing it, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know if it's a good fit until you go through it. Whereas, you know, quote unquote, normal um, students in college are getting internship experience or even working jobs and, you know, in the field they want to get into. So they kind of know ahead of time, either I am or I'm not on the right track. Mm -hmm. Whereas we don't know until we walk across the stage. We have no idea. Or if you, you know, if you're, if you play pro overseas or, you know, maybe you, you know, play a couple years in whatever league, um, you don't know until you actually hang up the jersey. So I think that's the first part. I think the second part is obviously, um, you know, whether you're in a professional setting, and I'm talking about professional sports setting or a collegiate sports setting, um, all of the resources are going towards the current and incoming players. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of an afterthought and has been for the past X amount of years, the athletes leaving the quote-unquote system are an afterthought. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's just what kind of came to mind. Right yeah, now. no, you definitely did. You definitely did. And so with that said, with what we know, I think time is essential. I think you hit that right on the head as far as time. Like there's just not enough time and a lot of programs are not structured in a way that you can dedicate the time that you want to each individual athlete. Because as we know, staffing time, season, if you're working with a team um, that's off season, you probably got another team that you're working with that's in season. So it's just a lot that you have going on. So I think that's a lot of it. So understanding that the system itself has to improve. So that's why I think it's incredible, like you mentioned, individuals like ourselves that are out here trying to fill in those gaps and hopefully get into those places where there aren't, there isn't enough time, but now they have an additional resource to utilize. Um, mm-hmm. And with that said, with Thrive After Sports, what is what are some key things that if someone is looking for something with the next Well, like I said, I, I have a really, um, I look at it as more than just figuring out the next steps career-wise, you know, so I try to incorporate everything. We're talking about relationships, um, you know, self-care, things like that. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I look at it as I have three different pillars, right? And the first pillar is getting these former athletes to a place where they can even function again, you know, where they can even start thinking about the future. Because for me, I wasn't necessarily ready for someone to come into my life and be like, all right, let's get to work. Let's start, you know, let's right. figure out the next move. I'm like, hold on, slow down a little bit. First of right, all, right. you know, I'm drinking all the time. That was, <laughs> can can right. we talk about that? I'm hurt. I feel like a failure. You know, mm-hmm. we got these types of things going on with the loss of identity that need to be addressed first right. before we start getting into action. So even simple things, you know, I try to meet people where they're at. I, I don't deliver a, a cookie cutter program by any means. I want to make sure that I'm meeting these people where they're at. Um, some people might need to get back into shape, start working out again. Um, they might need to start looking at what they're allowing into their minds in terms of, yes. you know, reading, podcasts, things like that. So that's the first pillar. And once they're locked in on that, then we can start doing the work. Um, I have tons of exercises, tons, tons of methods to help someone create a clear picture. Um, and make no mistake, you know, I always say I don't have a crystal ball. 
can't, I can't sit and be like, mm, you're supposed to do this for the rest of your life. It, it takes a lot of work, you know? So if people aren't willing to do the work, they're not going to get the results. But right. we're dealing with athletes, so we know people are going to do the work. Um, but yeah, that's the second component is getting, to, getting them to a place where um, they have the clear vision. Um, they're locked in on it. It's not just about money. If they need to take a job to make some money to get them to their long-term goals, mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to set them up with the job um, to help. Mm -hmm. But I want them building in the free time. Um, and then the last component that I do is really help them connect with other former athletes who are in the industry or in the mm. business that they want to get into. Because we know how important that community is. Absolutely. You know, so we need, and it's like I always say, when you were running track, you did track and tennis, right? Volleyball and tennis. Volleyball and tennis, excuse mm -hmm. me. Sorry, I'm slipping. I listen to all your podcasts and I mess your sport up. Okay, volleyball and tennis, excuse uh -huh. me. Um, but when you were playing those sports, you were a part of a sorority, you know, in a, in a sense. And I was a part of the fraternity yeah. as a football player. And then we get out and we're the lone wolf. So that's right. why it's kind of like the last component that I really look at is, you know, being a part of a network again of former athletes who are doing what you already want to do so you can have more people in your corner bringing you up and supporting you on your journey you know I think absolutely. we need that I, absolutely and I love how you in, in so short we call it wraparound services so you're mm. saying I meet the individual where they're at um I want to deal with some of the symptoms that are now present because of the actual uh, change in the environment or the behavior or the usual routine let's address some of the symptoms like someone that may present with alcoholism um, and you come into my into therapy and you're drunk. I can't talk about life and talk about mending your marriage. I have to address that you are currently intoxicated. And where do we need to get you to so you can sober up? And then we can talk about what's next. So mm. different environment, but same process. And so I love that you're doing that because I personally feel that that's the most effective method that you have to take, um, especially when, like you mentioned, when someone loses that athletic identity. A lot of us don't even know what that is. Parents don't know what that is. Um, coaches may, I won't say that they don't know, but there probably will be some coaches that don't know. The, it, the thing is that we know the, 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 the situation, but we don't know that it has a term. We don't know that it has a title. We don't know that it can have short-term and long-term um, negative impacts on us, you know? And so it's educating and saying, hey, you're feeling this. Well, this typically means this. It's okay. We can get through it and then you're that example to say hey i've been there and there's a whole community of people that are available to support you and i think that's huge um have you found anything different um with talking with working with females and working with men is there a difference between any racial dynamics that you've noticed the challenges or successes or resources that maybe stand out to you absolutely um and i don't want to make any blanket statements i'm just sharing my experience um sure. i feel like the first thing i'll get to black athletes in a second because we both know there's a, a major factor there and i know a lot of the work you do is centered around that right which is why i have so much respect for what you do thank um, you to start out you're very welcome to start out with, with female athletes um i see a lot of body image uh, mm. issues to start out with which is why i was kind of talking about in the beginning like i might need to set this person up with um a nutritionist or you know a personal trainer who's in their city or whatever to kind of get them you know back in the swing of things because like if you're a former female athlete and here you are at home you're either unemployed or working in a job that you hate and now on top of that you're out of shape 
Right. You know, so you don't really feel good about yourself. Um, a lot of the guys I work with, they kind of stay on it. You know, that was my case too. I never stopped working out after I was mm. done. Like, um, but a lot of the female athletes, not a lot, but the ones that come to me, um, they're they're out of shape. So I, was I think that's <laughs> yeah. It's I know, and I know that's a big deal because mm -hmm. I mean, I've just been real about it. That is a bigger deal for you know, if me, my you know, if I get out of shape, my boys would tell me, "Hey, you getting a little gut, bro?" You know, it's <laughs> like all right, let me let me get back, let me get back on my work. It's not as big of a deal versus as as a woman, and I'm not a woman, but based on my understanding right, of the experience right. of a woman, it's a little more weight on your shoulders if you don't feel as attractive as you once were when you're working out. Right, right. Um. So I do see that with female athletes. With black athletes, male or female, what I see is more hesitation to get help. And mm. I always talk, I was just having this conversation with my mom the other day, we were talking on the phone and I was saying like, we're realistically, the black community is the community who needs the most healing. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and would benefit from doing the most internal work. And yet we're the least, likely or the most hesitant to reach out and get that help and right. i'm just as guilty as anyone else not now now i lean into getting help and right like that, yeah. in the past so I, I experience a lot of people um you know maybe they discover what i'm doing uh through my program through you know a podcast like yours or they get referred to me through someone i've worked with and then uh, a former athlete who just so happens to be black will reach out or schedule time on my website or something like that and um just like not show up so it's like they're in that moment of, ooh, I need help. You know, whether yeah. it's like, I need to reach out to Taj, I need to reach out to Marley, I need to reach out to somebody. I need help. I know I need help. Right. I'm going to start to take that first step. But as it gets closer, I'm going to just pull back and be like, no, no, I'll, I'll handle it on my own. Right. And I right. think the, um, and I think that I'll handle it on my own mentality is detrimental, not just to black athletes, but to, you know, athletes in general and people in general. Yeah. So. No, yeah. I think you're spot on. And yeah, I think a, a lot of it is when you're in a team and you have identified people, you know who to go to for what, right? Um, so you know, okay, if I roll my ankle, I'm going to the trainer. If I need a little more time, I have um, study hall and I have, you know, whoever at study hall, they can help me with X, Y, and Z. So you kind of know within your comfort, people know who you are, you know who they are, they know the expectations, they know your goals. So that's already been established for you. And so that's why that racial identity and athletic identity, um, and then if you're a female, all of that's kind of entangled and sometimes blurred because you haven't had to tap into any of those. You're just an athlete, you show up, and everybody's clear. We don't really have to have a conversation about it. And then when you are removed from that space, whether you are an, a student athlete, a black student athlete, a black female student athlete, whatever that case is, that foundation has now shifted. And so now it's like, okay, how much do I tell people? Are people really this judgmental? Can I really trust? Um, and so different people, different backgrounds, their environments all play into that as well. Um, and I think, I just think you hit it when you said the hesitation. The hesitation is what's detrimental. Um, for years, I could tell you and educate you and sit in the hospital and tell patients that were coming in and their families that you need to do this. I'm telling you it's effective. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable getting the help on my own, and I have a degree in this. Um, right. you know? <laughs> and I, I mean, I felt bad, but I'm like, I promise you, this is what you need to do. I've seen the results. I have a good rapport with these people out here. But until it started to crash for me, I said, okay, now I got to get some help. I got to figure this out. Um, 
because no one no one understands that people even outside of athletics were held on these pedestals which is part of the athletic identity um have you experienced how do you i guess how do you work with some of your clients when when preparing for jobs and then you can answer more than that but i think a lot of times we're taught that being an athlete is an elite status and i myself have used it in interviews and people that will probably say no like, oh, you played a D1 sport. Oh, oh, it changed the whole <laughs> ball game, right? Um, right. So how do you prepare them to, uh, I guess, market and to believe in themselves that, you, that, yes, you have these skills, but you can still push beyond that image. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Do you, and, and just for, uh, just to clarify, you mean push beyond the image of, just being an athlete is that what you're saying yeah uh -huh. and having the confidence about going into the next steps exactly exactly okay yeah so the first thing to make sure they're they have the confidence in going into whatever the next move is is simply just to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons there you, know, you go i look at a lot of times um when i was going into interviews and i didn't get the job it's because i was simply there because it's like man i need some money i need a paycheck right. but <laughs> <laughs> right. that's what my mentality was i had no interest in the field no passion about you know no future vision for what i wanted to do in this industry it was just like they're hiring i need a check so i'm going in here so yeah. one thing i try to do is before setting someone up with a job opportunity or kind of helping them start to build the infrastructure of whatever business they want to start or connecting them with someone who can help them do that um I make sure that they're doing it for the right reasons, which mm -hmm. I think is so important. Like, you know the difference, Marley. If you're going into an interview, I don't know, like if you're going into an interview where you're going to be working with female black athletes, that's going to shine through. You're going to be super like fired up about going into that right. space mm -hmm. versus if, I don't know, I told you you're going to be uh, making sales calls all day, trying to sell <laughs> a copy machine. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. there's a big difference. So um, I really try to make sure that I'm, that we have the clarity around the vision first so that whatever they're doing even if it's like a job they're taking that's kind of unrelated to what they want to do long term right. they know okay i'm taking this job just so i can have some income coming in while i'm building on the side mm -hmm. um and they're going in understanding that there's something bigger at play than just a paycheck and i i think that shines through that's um, huge that's huge i like that the, the vision i think as long as everyone is on the same page with the visions the expectations and the goals um, it can, everyone can be held accountable. You as leading them as the coaches held accountable and with them participating can be held accountable as well. So no, I think that's huge. Now, I, I know you have a podcast, so just if you can tell us a little bit quickly about your um, podcast and, and what is the Thrive After Sport podcast? I know the what, it is, but what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Thrive After Sports podcast is I look at it as, and it all kind of comes back to me being the person that I needed in my corner when I was going through it. Mm -hmm. So I'm essentially giving advice or even coaching tips or things that I tell my clients on the podcast. So right now, what it is, and this is my vision for it, I'll kind of give you the short term and long term. Okay. Right now, if you listen to the Thrive Up to Sports podcast, it's really just me talking. It's things that are on my mind. It's things that if I was 22 coming out of college right now, I would need to hear this. And I just started talking about that, giving advice. This is how I handled it. So there's a lot of guidance and wisdom just in those solo episodes. The second right. part is I'm interviewing former athletes who I've worked with if they completed my program and they are now, you know, on their path and I'm letting them because, you know, I'm, I graduated almost eight years ago at this point, seven, eight years ago. So 
it's better for them. It's better for other former athletes to listen to athletes who have like just gone through it. Like right, they just graduated, right. struggled a little bit. And now like a couple months later, they're in a better place and now they can tell their story. And I think it's a little bit more relatable than me telling the story. So I have people who have gone through my program on there. Um, what the Thrive After Sports podcast is going to be is interviewing people like yourself. Like, you know, I would love to have you on. I'm asking you publicly. I'd love to have oh, you on. Yes, <laughs> For sure. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to shift gears a little bit because, you know, everybody's probably here and tired of hearing me talk at this point. So after summertime, no. I'm going to have, I want to have some guests on people who are in the space, people who are working with athletes. Um, so yeah, that's what it is right now. And that's what Thrive After Sports is going to be. Other people who work with athletes, not just people who are, have gone through my program. So yeah. Awesome. I think that's great. And I wish you much success on that because I think it's incredible that you um, show the growth of your podcast and your program and you're making the shift. I mean, it's the same way mine was. I started with two and a half, maybe three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And the intention at the beginning was totally opposite of what I'm doing now as far as my who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about. Um, but the foundation is still there, right? So it started off with self-care, meditation, and all of that before I became certified. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta tell everybody about this. <laughs> How did I not know about this? And then um, going through my uh, going through school and all that, I was like, hmm, this applies to me, to my peers, to former teammates. And then it just went from there. So I think it's great for athletes uh, current and past athletes to see your transition and your growth because I think a lot of times um, people put out the finished product or they change it and then they don't tell people why or how so I think it's important that you're showing the growth and the transparency um, to connect and I mean it's great because we're it's a very small community like it's getting to the point now where I'm like oh I've seen that person before oh that's on that <laughs> Right, yeah. And it's a good thing because it means that we're all, I guess I heard with the same mission, on the same page, um, because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to bring people on my podcast and I don't feel they're like really with stuff, like they're not really on their A-game, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I like to hear you talk. I love your interviews. I love like sometimes you're outside, like you're just, just or organic with it. And I think I love it. I'm like, you better talk. You better just <laughs> and say something give us a message <laughs> yeah the feeling is mutual i love what you do too it's organic like for me it's whenever inspiration strikes i'm not about to like you know if i'm outside taking a walk or i just finish my workout i'm gonna just hit record and be like this is on my mind right now so right listen i up, love you it. know yeah love it love it all right guys Natasha, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast on the extra set of podcasts um i think that you will continue to make a huge impact and even though you're California, we're definitely going to figure out something in the future. And you can ask anybody if I say that, I mean it. Um, <laughs> we'll figure something out, especially with being on quarantine um, right now. Please stay safe. Um, stay motivated. I have my moments. And I'm like, uh, do I really want to do anything today? <laughs> so, right. to, you know, um, so please stay safe. I'm going to have all of your information. In the description below, guys, if you're listening on the podcast, you can actually watch this interview on YouTube as well. Um, and you have, well, I'll have an email, your website, everything about you so that people can contact you. And I'll have my information as well. So until we meet again, take care, be safe, and we'll roll into our next episode. Bye, Ty. Bye, Marley. Thank you. You're welcome.